0: Have you ever wondered what Jesus would say if he could speak to you today? Join us on our podcast, A Weekly Message from Jesus, as I use my gift of spirit communication to bring you a channeled message from Jesus. The link is a weekly message from podbeamcom His messages will bring you much happiness and guidance in your life. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father, thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this date that you appointed from heaven, for your handmaidens to meet, to seek your face, and to hear a word from you. What a privilege it is that a vessel of clay like myself will be used and will be entrusted with the glorious word of the gospel. I pray that you will cleanse this vessel from every limitation. I pray that I'll be subject to your Holy Spirit and your Holy Spirit alone. I pray, oh God, and I thank you, for I stand here today as a servant and as a vessel, and not as a movie star or as anyone in the world. Thank you for choosing me to be a representative of heaven. I humble myself under your mighty hand I pray for your unction without measure I pray for your anointing I pray that you will visit each and every one of your people under the sound of my voice I pray that you will take their lives to oh God and make something out of it above all may the words that I speak be spirit and life let the electricity of the Holy Spirit take over Lord and minister to us however you will thank you for your grace and your mercy thank you for the covering under your wings and thank you for perfecting everything that concerns us this morning in jesus name amen Amen. hallelujah please take your seats now first of all i want to speak to you about our theme adorning the gospel adorning the gospel Amen. Amen. Now turn your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus is not that boy who was your classmate. It's a book in the Bible. (laughs) Amen, ladies. It says, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things. Not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Exhort servants, one, to be obedient unto their own masters, two, to please them well in all things, three, not answering back or answering again, four, not purloining Five, showing all good faithfulness or loyalty. Why? Why do we have to do all these five things? That they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Amen. Amen. Now the word adorn means to decorate, to make beautiful, to embellish. Embellish means to go to town, to over, overdo, to... To make so beautiful that it stands out. And Paul is writing to servants. And he says, tell the servants that they must be obedient unto their masters, that they must not answer back. They must please them in all things. They must not purloin or steal or pilfer and they must show good faithfulness in all things. Why? So that the gospel will be adorned. Now, as women, we are used to adorning ourselves. And I always say that we will go to all lengths to look beautiful. Sometimes people tell me they go and braid their hair. And by the side of the girl braiding the hair is brufin or paracetamol. So when they finish braiding the hair, then they buy the paracetamol. One lady told me that. And I said, why the paracetamol? I said, because all this place will be hurting you. And I said, hey, so the paracetamol seller knows that. So now she sits by the person braiding the hair. (laughs) So that when you braid the hair, you also buy the paracetamol. Now we go through all those pains to look beautiful. Sometimes I go to the beauty parlor. People are putting on false lashes. And they say to them when they finish, don't wash your face with soap. Wipe your face with a face towel, which is soapy. And after that, you wash it out and use water to do this. I I said, so you won't wash your face for how many days? Just so that you will adorn yourself. Sometimes you see somebody with a hairstyle, you lose your, all your focus for praise and worship is gone. And you just want the church to finish so that you say, sister, who gave you this major haircut? Where did you do it? The God that you came to serve, you have forgotten about him. And you just want to adorn your hair. And you are going to all lengths to do that. Sometimes you want a particular style. And the person tells you, Oh, Mammy, no, no, wapa, it's a long journey. Uh, so we we'll trust Agata Kesiena. No, afetri, blue kiosk nechi. Go across that gutter, the blue kiosk, behind there, as the woman who is selling the plantain, just by the side, the person is there. And then you go, you park, you get down, you cross the gutter, you do all that, all those maneuvers, just so that you will adorn yourself. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes you go to the beauty parlor, people have come, say that they want to do their eyebrows. As they are doing their eyebrows, they say, waxing. So they've put something here and when they take that, they say, but because you want to adorn yourself, you go through all that just so that you will adorn yourself, your fingernails because of that. Some of you don't even cook. You don't even cook. You say, I don't want to soak my hands in water. I don't want to whatever you do. French tips, Scandinavian tips. Turkish tips and Spanish tips, you go to all that extent. Why? So that you will adorn yourself. And as I was preaching about Daughter Get Real, which is a good message that you should get, even our stomach sizes and our waist, we wear things that will not make us breathe, just so that we will adorn ourselves. So I want to wear this style. So when you come home, before you tell ah, you are now breathing. All in aid of adorning yourself. I know sisters that I will not mention who have gone for teeth whitening exercises to whiten their teeth. And I asked them, "How much is it?" "Oh, five hundred dollars." "Hey, so will it last? Mm, after a while, you have to do a second whatever, whatever." "Hey, why? Just to adorn." Ourselves, and after that, that is your body. After that, the things to put on you are going to buy jewelry, you will buy earrings, you will buy clothes. When you buy the clothes, say, oh, this one I've worn it for too long. Now, where are the marching shoes? Where's the matching bag? Oh, I found the green. But I hear that if I want polka dots, I should go to this woman. You go. The woman even says she's closing. So why? I need to get those shoes for that wedding. We adorn ourselves in every way. But the gospel is not adorned. And the Bible says that servants should do these things so that they will adorn the gospel. The gospel is not supposed to be just gospel. It's supposed to be made beautiful. It's supposed to be made attractive. It's supposed to be made something that draws people. But nowadays, our emphasis is not on the gospel. Or in anything spiritual, it's not there. If you want to know how spiritual you are, look at the zeal for other things that you have. And look at the zeal when it comes to things relating to the kingdom. It's a separate separate and different type of attitude. And not only has the gospel not been adorned, it has actually been blasphemed. Second Samuel 12 verse 14. We don't know books of the Bible, but we know everything on Peace FM. All the sensational stories, we know them. And Nigerian movies. And then Chewa Part one and two. <laughs> now this is the story of David. Mbatsheba, which is a very, very, very famous story. And after David has sinned, it is Nathan the prophet that God sends to speak to David that, look, this is what you've done. And then after Nathan has spoken, he says that, look, God will forgive you and all that, but there are certain seeds that you have planted that will come back as punishment to you. So we do say that David is God after a man after God's own heart. Why would God use a man who fell and all that? God did, but he, he, he prophesied certain things that will happen. He said that you took somebody's wife in secret. You know your own, somebody from your own household would take your wives, And not only will it be done in secret, he would sleep with the person in public. And then he said the sword will not depart from your house. Your house will be divided. But I won't do it during your time. So it was after Solomon, the nation was divided. And God also said that um, the child that is within Bathsheba at that time would die. Now many people say, oh, even the child of fornication God used, that was not Solomon. The child of fornication died. The child of fornication did not exist, you know. And then God, after saying all these punishments, in 2 Samuel 12, 14, he says to David through Nathan, because Thou hast caused the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Amen? Amen? Because by this deed, thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Now, adorning the gospel, the opposite of it is causing people to blaspheme. The gospel, and we'll come to that. There are verses that say that the gospel be not blasphemed, that the word of God be not blasphemed, that the name of God be not blasphemed. And David's punishment was because now you have given you see, unbelievers already say things, but you have given the enemies of the Lord great opportunity, great occasion, a great leeway. You have created an environment. Where people can just blaspheme my name because of the way we behave. Amen. I don't know whether we are conscious of the fact that we are representatives of heaven. We are representatives of the gospel. For us to live is Christ. For us to live is not ourselves. For us to live is not our comfort. For us to live is not what we like. For us to live is Christ. Amen and living for Christ can be painful if you have not experienced any pain in living for Christ Then I wonder who you are living for (laughs) Because when you live for Christ, there's pain attached to it Amen, there's great joy, but there's also pain And if Jesus the son of God for him to live for God's purpose, there was pain Why do you think that as for you you you'll be special? The Bible says, I ask the master, so is the servant. Amen. Amen. But we have given the enemies of the Lord great occasion, great, to blaspheme, to say all sorts of things. We are ministers, all right. We may be Christians, all right. But our lives are not adorning the gospel. Amen sometimes we are even pastor's wives but we don't adorn the gospel we bring fights into the church we scatter the sheep we do things that we should not do we gossip, we slander we bring politics into the church and we don't adorn the gospel the gospel doesn't look nice you know sometimes you are even in the world you work in the world you know that people are unbelievers you are okay when you come to the house of God, you say you are full-time." And then you see some manifestation. you say, "Hey, when I was in the bank, I never saw this manifestation. But as I've come into full-time ministry, I thought that there would be a higher level of holiness. I'm rather seeing more politics than NPP and NDC. <laughs> Amen. Amen that we adorn the gospel. Because if we do not, there comes a great falling away from the kingdom of God and the things of God. Hallelujah. And Paul said you servants. Now some of you will be saying, oh, but he was talking to servants. Me I am a queen, sister Mary. I'm not a servant. But the Bible says that he that is chiefest amongst you must learn to be a servant. And the Bible also says that although he was equal with God, he took upon himself the form of a servant. Of all things, he could have taken on the form of another thing. But he took upon himself the form of a servant. So it's something that you take upon yourself in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. And he says that if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. The word minister does not mean first lady. The word minister does not mean queen. The word minister does not mean special. It just means servant. But because we have lost the notion of being servants, we now think we are somebody. That is why there's ruckus in the church because when they don't call you by your title, you are bored. But if you will remember that you are a servant, when they call you by any title, you know that it's just something that they are saying. But you are actually a servant. And a servant does not have a will of her own. I want to be this. I want to say that to be obedient just to be obedient is a form of servanthood and we don't have that and why would Paul have to write to servants to tell them their duties because sometimes servants don't behave like servants but Paul was not ashamed to say Paul a servant of Jesus Christ by the will of God Paul a servant of God James said James a servant Peter a servant that's how they faced before Paul said Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. But war betide you if we are apostles. And you don't call us by that. You come and call us servants. There will be war. And that is a subtle form of a spirit of pride. And that spirit of pride is what Satan also suffered from. And it is also a trap. But we don't see it as a trap. But you are a servant. So when somebody comes shakes herself, talks to you anyway, you are a servant anyway. Do you understand? But when you have a, a, a false image that, I'm this, I'm Bishop Doug's wife, you are a child of God before you are anything else. Yeah. And you are a servant of God before you are anything else. So sometimes when, when people do things, you want to freak out, say, hey, servant Adelaide, be calm. <laughs> be calm. Because you are just a servant when did she join the church that she's coming to flex her muscles when we were here but you are just a servant whether you were here, you were not here is not the issue and it starts with accepting our servanthood to be able to adorn the gospel amen I've said many times that sometimes people have had problems and then when you want to reach out to them They are the nastiest. But it's because they are overwhelmed by their problems. So they just face you. For the people who are new or who don't know some of the things, I said once that I just drove by somebody and then her bumper, her back bumper fell. And when it fell, I said, oh, how come a small driving like this? uh, Maybe the thing was about to fall already. (laughs) Anyway, so I said to the driver... When I got there, I was driving but my driver was in the service so I said to him, go and look for the owner of this car tell her that as I was coming it was in Coligono, it was narrow so the back bumper fell but I would like to repair it for her because she will come out of church and not know who did it it was on the street so tell her and then I will repair now they went to tell this lady and she freaked out eh, hey, madam oh. but I said I will repair your thing why are you freaking out on me then the ashes and things who were talking to her thought that maybe she doesn't know who she's talking to. So they said, oh, this is the first lady. She will fix her. Ah, that was the ballistic one. First lady, and so what? And so what? It was not easy. <laughs> and then when I came, she was huffing and puffing by the wall there. Eh? So I was talking to her and I said, oh, madam, don't be so upset. But you know, I also said that, but your thing, it came off easily, so. <laughs> I was wondering whether it was already going to fall or it was hanging. But anyway, I'll fix it for you. Hey, you can't say that. I said, Madam, I instinctively put my hand on her chest. I said, calm down. I'll fix it, please. So they went with her across the road. And when they went to the car, they realized that the type of car is just some hooks. That holds the thing. So it had opened. It had opened, so they just fixed it. And it clicked, Click. It was working. And she couldn't come to me and say... <laughs> so... But I was telling my other friends, including the late Mrs. Saki. Mrs. Saki said, Ah, this girl, I know her. I've been to her flat to uh, counsel her. And, things. and she spoke to you like that. Oh, no, no, no. Next I'll go to her flat and tell Why? Why should she... Oh, It's okay. It's okay because God has many children. And they all manifest in different ways. If you are going to solve every problem, you can't. Then one of the ladies also came and said, Sister Mommy, I know this lady. She's always in church, second service. She sits at the back, towards the back. And she cries. Every service she cries. I said to them, For all you know, she has her own problems. And it's not even me. Do you understand? But I think also that from afar, sometimes people see you and they feel your life is perfect. So that's why when they said first lady, instinctively, she just freaked out that this person, Christ, she annoys me. Because women are like that. You know, they just look at you and say, oh, she has a perfect life. Just a husband, she has children, she has this, she has this. She must have a perfect life. How many of you know that it's a myth? <laughs> Amen. So the person feels that you have brought yourself into my net so I must sort you out but when you remember that you are a servant you see and your friends too will be urging you on including your spiritual friends how dare they talk to you like that look the bible says give honor unto whom honor is due okay so they cannot then you too you will flow fully and say yes go and sort it out for me but if you have a servant mentality and the spirit of a servant you know that you don't have to sort out so many things. It's not necessary. You are a servant, first of all. Before your apostolic title, before your pastoral title, before your first lady title, you are a servant. And Paul says that the servants, the servants, first of all, be obedient. Be obedient. Most servants, when you talk to them anyhow, they don't freak out. Madam, you can't talk to me like that. You see, madam, whatever. When you come late, you call them. Madam, why are you calling me at this time? Don't you know you are inconveniencing me? Don't you know? That? It's only somebody who thinks he's not a servant who will speak that way. Yeah. So we need to develop the spirit of a servant. Amen. <laughs> you may look all glorious outside. You may look all, but never lose your spirit of servanthood. God said to David, when you were small in your own eyes, I took you and I lifted you up. You must remain small in your own eyes no matter how high God lifts you. You must remain small in your own eyes no matter how popular, how glorious, how important you become. You must stay small in your own eyes. And when you stay like that in your spirit, it will help you always to connect with people. Because you don't see anybody as too low, too high, medium, mediocre. You flow. Do you understand? And I can see that God has helped me to have that grace. Because I don't have only friends who are important. I have very, very by heart friends. I have a girl. She's always giving birth. She can't look after her children. And when she comes to church, she'll give me high five and things. And this last time, she was pregnant. Again. And I was telling her, Hey. You are pregnant again, Maba, Osmone fo. Don't want me to give birth. Meanwhile, she can't look after the children. And she gives birth and her other sibling too gives birth. And they are the poorest of the poor. So her mother is the one who is always coming to me. Hey, I now have, There used to be four. They became five, six, seven. Now she's going to add this eight. And when I'm saying, you said that, don't I want you to give birth? The eighth one that you have. And meanwhile, you won't look after the child too. You know? And one day the lady came, I met her, and I said, oh, okay, I have biscuits and things, come, I'll give you some. This is not why I came. <laughs> and then the people in my office said to me, ah, where do you know this woman from? Is she your and she comes to my reception, and she says, oh, the one I bring the money and things, that you see, today, too much. Okay, boy, hey then she'll say okay then where are the drinks and the biscuits (laughs) you also spoke about bring it
1: wisdom is better than rubies obedience is better than sacrifice to marry is better than to burn to be quiet is better than to strive and the list goes on why would you choose the good When you can have the better. In a classic series titled Better Things, Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward Mills challenges every believer, the young, the old, the married and the single, not to settle for the mediocre, but to aim for the things that God in his ultimate wisdom has classified as being better than others. Better things, a must-have for every believer.
0: Welcome back. And when she goes away, it's not only her. I can't even believe it, you know. So I just I said, ah, but you said you don't want oh be an emissum. Another time she came with a long list. Names, Georgina size seven. This one size six. This size this. I said, what am I doing with this? I said, oh, ah, there are shoe sizes. I know size. But I feel that and believe that all these people come to enrich your life. You know, sometimes when God lifts people up so much, they get out of touch with, with real groundwork. Do you understand? But all these people enrich your life. They make you laugh. They give you humor. They annoy you sometimes or you just continue and you are And it's for such that Jesus came. And if we are going to embellish the gospel, then we are going to reach all these type of people. And it is by having a heart of a servant. But if you have the heart of a queen, nobody can approach your palace. Your palace is too glorious. Your protocol is not easy. Heavy chested men with bazookas and things, who do you want? What do you want to. Wear? How can you reach people? Paul said, servants, be obedient. ...and to your masters. And who is our master? Christ Jesus is our master. Be obedient. And please them well in all things. Please Christ, not men. Said if I yet please men, I will not be a servant of God. Hallelujah. And so a servant needs to have a pleasing attitude towards his master. It's not everything that God tells you that you feel is so great... And it's not everything that God tells you that's so easy to do. Isn't it? Excuse me. So, a servant is like Paul. One thing Paul said is, if I yet pleased men, I will not be a servant of Christ. I'll be a servant of something else but not Christ. And some of us, we are servants of the world. Servants of public opinion. Servants of journalists, what they will think, what they will say. Servants of influential people. But what about Christ? Sometimes you wear funny dresses because the world is wearing it. You are a servant of fashion. A slave. But you can look good without exposing all the good of the world. <laughs> It's not necessary. One of our male pastors came from our church in Nigeria. He was telling me a girl was either leading praise and worship or whatever. All the breasts were out. So he just wanted to put his hand and bring it out completely. So the world know that it's out. <laughs> you know? And once Pastor Fabian was preaching, he said that when we ask you for bread and tea, you pour out breast and tea. <laughs> you pour out breast and tea for us that we should drink the breast and tea. Oh, oh, oh. Because we are the servants of other things. We are servant of fashion. We are <laughs> servant of anything that pleases me. I want to be with it. You see, I don't want them to think I'm colo. So I want to whatever. But you are a temple of the living God. Wow. And, and you, you are a servant. You don't have just your way. Look, with all this heat, if I had my way, do you know what I will always wear? Every day, I will wear very short shorts up to here and halter neck because I don't like it. But if we are all going to how we feel, how comfortable I want to be, so you will just be sitting in church. I come with my hot pants and then my, my halter neck and I come and sit The gospel will totally be blasphemed. Sometimes, the suggestive clothing is worse than the one that shows everything. I saw the dress that they said, Prince William's bride wore. Oh, it's, you know, this fishing net dress. And then she wore a bra under and pants that are a little like boxer or whatever. And she went to a party and that's where Prince William was slain. So the dress itself costs a few pounds, maybe uh, 20 or 30 pounds. And now it's being auctioned for 68,000 pounds. And then they showed it. Oh, this is Kate Middleton's dress. It's very whatever, whatever. Ah. That will please the world. But does it please Christ? And the world is funding it and saying, hey, it's sexy. That must have touched the prince. That must have. I said, hey, as you are going to marry, I wish for you that Christ will be your rock. For the things that your mother-in-law Diana has seen, I wish that you will run. You will run to the pavilion and become a child of God. But you haven't come yet. You are wearing fishing nets. Hey! Even Diana didn't dress like that. She's going, fishing. She's going fishing, surely. So we are not servants of Christ. We are servants of something else. Amen. Servants of our own feelings and emotions. Everything you feel, you just, you just manifest. The manifestation of the spirit is given to profit without by your own. <laughs> it's a manifestation of the flesh. And a manifestation of the soul. And it doesn't allow the gospel to go forth. To be obedient, well-pleasing in all things. Not in some things. Sometimes we please in certain things, but in other things we don't. You don't. Have, the gospel doesn't look attractive anymore. The world does not know the difference between us and them. There's no dividing line. Everything is the same. And I always ask myself, you know, yesterday when I went to um, the radio station for what's going on, and they were interviewing us, me, a man called. He's a regular caller, and he said, "I'm a Muslim, That I always call this station." Can you tell me why we are preaching in the mosque and preaching in the church and yet no change is coming? How can he compare preaching in the mosque to preaching in the church? But to him, it's the same. Because there's no transforming power in us. There's no transforming gospel. We remain the same. And yet the Bible says as many as believed and received it, he gave them power to become children of God. You don't say the same. you become a child of God. But that power, where is it? Where is that power that's supposed to make us become children of God? And if you want to add to the gospel, don't subtract from it. But sometimes we won't add, but we'll bring Blasphemy. And give the enemy occasion to just blaspheme. I had an uncle, this one is no hearsay. He used to be a diplomat, and his house was in the airport area. Staunch, qualified, and registered unbeliever. <laughs> and his wife was abroad. And I was ministering to him. At that time, we stayed that area. we were just married. And I said to oh, him, You need to give your life to Christ. Life has no meaning until you give your life to Christ. And he said, eh, so the people who go to that church by my house too, does life have no meaning, whatever? I said, what are you saying? He said, oh, I was with Bishop. He said, every afternoon after church when they close, I just pass by there, I pick up a few, I sleep with them, and I'm moving on from the house of God. He said that when you go when they've closed, there are a lot. And you can choose what appeals to you. And then you take them, and they will go too. So what is the difference between us? Is there a difference between Christ and Belial? Is there a difference between light and darkness? Is there a difference between the temple of God and the temple of devils? We don't have any difference. We crave the same thing the world craves. Our priorities are just like the world's priorities. The world wants to look good. The world wants to drive in posh cars. The world wants to seek first the worldly kingdom. And we are doing the same. How do we adorn the gospel? And not only do we not adorn it, we blaspheme the gospel. And we don't even believe. When God says that seek first the kingdom, I will add all the other things. We don't believe it. Because our hearts are not even in the right place. So that they may adorn the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. That was the reason. Not so that they will get promotion, not so that they will get end of year bonus, not so that they will get favor from even their bosses, but so that the gospel will be adorned. Is that even part of our priorities? Do we think about adorning the gospel? We don't care how it looks and what it looks like. We just manifest anyhow and we are going. Sometimes the way the world fights over money and worldly things. The the church (laughs) There's no difference Sometimes you come to church As a born again Christian And rather your marriage is ruined by church members At first when you came into the church You will know that oh There will be holiness There will be purity People will be a certain way But now people come with kings Looking for their husband's girlfriends In the choir And by the grace of God, I do so much pastoral care that all these things I'm saying, they are not, hmm. yeah. Yeah. they are non-fiction. It's true. They are real. A lady came and said that this choir star, the one in the worship choir, she's sleeping with my husband. During worship hall, we have lifted our hands. To be pleasing you, oh, sh- pleasing you. This is all I really, 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 really want to do. And then the woman is also an unbeliever. So she tiptoes doing worship. And she, I can call the lady pastor to give her a testimony just now. Please, that girl, the one. Worship God. She's sleeping with my husband. The lady pastor says, wait, please. After church, after worship, and you are so confident that what the person says is not even true, but after church, you will sort her out. And then when you call the girl, it's true. In the Jesus Cathedral, oh, not even let it be at a mosque or by a kiosk, but inside the Jesus Cathedral. And when she asks her, I was going out with him before she mar- he married her. And so in the church, you are manifesting yourself like that. And as if that is not enough, she takes her phone and calls the man. Eh? your wife has come here to say come and then the talk you also comes. <laughs> because thou has given the enemies of the Lord great occasion to blaspheme the child that is born shall die because of that and so when we give the enemies of God great occasion to blaspheme the result is death of valuable things. Even human life. That's how serious it is. And she comes to manifest. Then they ask her, is it true that whatever... Eh, if she took whatever... That, I have vowed to her that she will never be happy in her marriage. I'll forever be a stumbling block. You are speaking. After worship, you have done to be pleasing Him. To be pleasing Him. And you are manifesting. And even the presence of God does not... Does not even okay to you that's not even okay to you and then the man who comes and says eh, why is my wife making trouble I told the lady pastor I would have taken them out because it, it's so terrible but it's a life story that they may adorn that they may adorn the gospel of Christ not pilfering or not purloining they put something in your trust. It can't work. People in the church still offering. And I say, if you take such money, how can it be a blessing to you? You see, once a guy broke into our container office in Kolegonu, after Tuesday service, bishop had taken money for this Kodesh here. We're moving here. So, oh, we need toilet bowls. We need this. If you can contribute, Come. So people came to contribute to toilet bowls, whatever it was we're going to have here. Some people said, he said, it cost this much. You can either bring it or bring the money. And people brought their money. I believe that brother saw and said that, ah, today, the church is very wealthy this evening. So when we went home, he came and broke into that office and made away with the money. Now, when he got to circle, he immediately became mad started to dash the money. Oh, giving so the police called us. For Ghana please to call you that somebody is holding money, you are blessed. Anyway. That <laughs> somebody's at circle, it seems he's gone off. And he's giving the money away. So if you will please come. When we went here, distributed some, ah, fine. But there was also some left. And then, the church administrator took the money. But the police said they needed it as an exhibit. <laughs> So the church administrator was a doctor. So I said to her, after she had gone, I said, you better count and mark the notes. She said, oh, why? It's in police custody. I said, well, with my legal experience, every time we give an exhibit to the police, it reduces. <laughs> if you give them five grams of cocaine, you come and meet 4.5 grams. If you give three, you come and eat 2.5 or two. If you give thousand, you come and eat meet 98, something, you know. So I said, go back let them sign you also sign so, so she went back and the police said madam money that makes you mad do you think we'll take some <laughs> money that can make you mad do you think that is something that we'll be interested in so it's not that it's not it's dishonest though but the type of money it is <laughs> they will not like to touch it But because the judgment of God is not always so evident, like in the case of David, we continue to sin. But Paul says, shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? Shall we continue? And just because man doesn't see, so we are doing this. We have drawn so many people away from Christ. We have made so many people lose hope in the church. There's a girl whose life is now out of control, sleeping with any man she meets, having children left, right, and center. She herself is a child of her mother, and she's giving birth. Why? She was in a youth group in a church, a choreographer, and the pastor was sleeping with her continually. Now she has lost it. She doesn't have any um, self-control. It's like, that's it. That's it. And even to invite such a person to a church. A church? Did you say a church? And when I was telling Bishop, he said that such a person will even come to the church and see every male pastor is interested in her, a fornicator. I mean, her whole mind will be warped. It is in the church that people should find refuge and hope. Not sin in this type of behavior. Even at the level of leadership. It is in the church that we should be the beacon of hope and the beacon of light, not the other way around. When you say you are a woman in ministry or a woman designed ministry and the type of dress you wear to lead worship. You see, your gospel is not only what you speak but it's what you look like. Amen. Paul says that you are an epistle. You are read by all men, not some. Not unbelievers and believers, by all men. And yet your behavior the way you speak. When we come to your office, we don't know the difference between Christ and Belial. that you may adorn the gospel and show good fidelity in all things. Amen. Amen. And Paul continually talks about servants, but we are moving on. Amen. Now turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy 6. Verse one. First Timothy chapter six, verse one. Hmm. It's a marathon. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Why? That the name of God and His doctrine. Be not blasphemed. That the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. It means that your behavior is totally related to the way the gospel looks. Amen. And Paul keeps, he said it to Titus. He has come back to say to Peter, Timothy, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Let as many servants as are under the yoke Count their own masters worthy of all honor Not because the masters are good Not because the masters are nice Not because But the aim Is that the name of God And his doctrine His teachings Will not be blasphemed So even the name of God Should be adorned And not blasphemed But God's name Has been made dirty In the name of God We do so many things. And I think that sometimes God gives you a long rope or a very deep cup, but it's filling, small, small, it's filling. I was asking Bishop, why is God flexing his muscles so much? He said, what do you mean? I said that look at Japan. Look at Australia, what happened to them. Look at the recession and the shake in financial markets. It's like he's telling us that you can't build on any foundation, no matter who you are. And he just, he's just, you know, it's a wink. And then the whole Japan is going, it's just a wink from God. Because the Bible says that by the blast of his nostrils. Not you should pray that he doesn't sneeze. Just hated the whole world. <laughs> but I think that now, we defy God to his face. We say we are gay. We want to marry. We don't care. We are this. You see, even if you are an unbeliever, the amount of sin you sin. God judges by it. Why do I say that? Because Pharaoh, Herod, in the book of Acts chapter 12, I believe, he came to give the people food, the people from Tyre and Sidon. There had been a farming, and they had been hungry. And when he got up, the people shouted, the spirit of God and not of a man. And the Bible says, immediately the Lord struck him with worms. So you would think that, oh, an unbeliever, he doesn't know, or God doesn't, but God minds. And then Herod who had his brother Philip's wife. They were unbelievers. But John the Baptist still went and rebuked them. But you, it is not right that you have your brother's wife. That is even in the world. So God has a code of moral standards even if you are not born again. A certain decrum, a certain level of respect that you must have. You know, And when you don't have it, you blaspheme the name of God and you bring his doctrine into disrepute. May that not be our portion. And it's the same. Let servants. Why does he say that to servants all the time? Because when you have the heart of a servant, the gospel is adorned. Because you just receive instruction, you just obey, you just move. You don't always need to understand everything. Amen. If God says you are the temple of the living, you say, eh, but I'm flesh and blood, temple. Explain with five diagrams what you mean by temple. So what do you really? He says, I'm the temple of God. Accept it. I'm the temple of a living God. Therefore, the presence of God lives in me, and I must know how to move on. Amen. That the gospel, that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. Okay? 1 Timothy 2 verse 9. You there? Like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Why? That women adorn themselves. In modest apparel. God is concerned about even what you wear. <laughs> he has written about it. So how can you say it doesn't matter? And that's a democratic dispensation. You can just... say that women adorn themselves. So you should look nice. But because you are a representative of the gospel. Adorning yourself is adorning the gospel. Because you represent heaven here on earth. And so when he says that adorn yourself in modest apparel... With shamefacedness, Dick says that as if you are a bit ashamed of men. But nowadays, that's not. <laughs> they are not ashamed. My brother was telling me he's a, a businessman. He was telling me he went for a function. And I mean, he's not any very wild or strong believer. I keep praying for him. But he went for a function. And then, as he sat down and all that chat, a girl came to sit by him and said, I I, am in love with you. And then my brother said, Oh, how can you be in love with me? I have a wife. And then she said, Oh, so a big man like you, you have only one woman in your life. A big important man like you. Oh, don't say what you are saying. So he said, he was so shocked. And then the girl said, I mean, important men. Don't have only, so the whole of you It's for just your wife. Oh, why are you not powerful? Why are you talking like that? He said he was very shocked. But then he realized that the logic and the philosophy behind it, a man can fall for it because like, oh, the whole big you, why should you be for just one woman? What's what One little, little woman, <laughs> she's little too. What, 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 what? what why? And I said blatant, he said, "Oh, nowadays the girls, they are very blatant and open and forward. And, and I said, without sobriety, shamefacedness. You know, that even is attractive to a man when you are not too forward, do you see? Oh, I like you, don't you like me? Why have you not been looking my way, look my way. Why don't you mind, me. Mind me. Those things rather send the person away. But the shamefacedness and sobriety makes you attractive. That shamefacedness and sobriety. It's that like you don't have a lot of words, but your actions. It's not that you should squeeze your face, you bring the food, Pum. here you are. No. I'm very polite. I brought you your food, but I don't have any conversation. I just sit there, I'm reading my book. Eh, did you go there? I did. <laughs> did you whatever? I went. What did they do? I don't know. <laughs> what did they do? That? I wonder. Then, the things that you have been shouting about, say, why, is there something wrong? Why are you not talking? Whatever, whatever. So, mm, anyway, why are you not talking? Oh, the gravity of the issue, you later. Oh, Lord, later, speak now, speak now. Shame is working. <laughs> Amen. Some of you, your fights are too obvious, can't turn cross to another level. Those things don't bring promotion. The Bible says when you do good, you heat coals of fire. So as a person sitting there, you know? But we'll come back to this verse. Let's go to Titus 2 verse 5. It's talking about the older women teaching the younger women. And Paul lists the things. He says, we should teach them to be discreet To be chaste, keep us at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. It starts by saying to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keep us at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. That the word of God be not blasphemed. The reason why God is saying love your husband it's not because it's a nice thing to do, but it's because the gospel is affected by the way you conduct yourself in your marriage. Amen. Amen. So he says the older woman should teach the young, and he lists all these things to love their husbands. I was preaching at a U- Regent University recently, and I said to them, Are you not surprised that the Bible is saying you should be taught to love your husband? They said they were surprised. And I said, you are surprised because in the first place, you married him because you loved him. Majority of us marry because we are attracted to the person and we love the person. So how come the Bible is now saying that older women should teach younger women to love their husbands? I thought it would be automatic. So I told them the love is in two parts. Part one is the automatic one. <laughs> and part two is the teaching type. And I said to them, as you have beloveds and all this, you are at type one. (laughs) But when you marry or you get into a relationship with somebody for a longer time, then type two comes where you need to be taught to love. Because then it is not always automatic. I said, that boy that you can't stop, I want to marry him, lady reverend, our love was made in heaven. You see, I I have a lot of young people that I counsel. So they come to me and then they say, One lady, she didn't want to leave her unbeliever boy. When I was saying, she said that, Lady Reverend, you don't understand. We are from Lagon. Everybody in Volta Hall says, You are such a pair. You are so lovely. Our love was made in heaven. She was sitting, I said, This chair that you are sitting in, with these same wraps, it has happened over and over again. You are not the first person to sit on this chair. So lady, my friend, I'm telling you, our love was made on, in heaven. I said, but to be lived on earth, made in heaven, <laughs> but to lived, to be lived on earth, not in heaven. In heaven, there are angels. Who do not even know what faith is? But on earth are human beings. Amen. Amen. And then she started talking, you know, he broke up with me because I've come to know Christ. And I said, "Eh, that's part of life. Oh, it's so painful, is it? I said, oh, I know all those things are true, but the love of God is greater than that. But I don't think she believed it. Then as she talked to me, she said, but only these two weeks that we broke up, when I saw him again, he asked me, have you slept with anybody? I said, no. Then I asked him, have you? He said, yes. I said, even this is God's mercy. (laughs) Two weeks. He's not faithful. I said, who did he sleep with? Oh, his boss. And then I said, hey, at this stage, he has not married you yet. Two weeks, he has done his best. And you are crying that Jesus is taking him away from you. Hey, this is stage number one. You are not I'm I told them at Regent University, I said, a day will come. This boy that you are so in love with. You will be so angry with him in the evening. You don't want his toe, toe to touch you. (laughs) Amen. And I could see, you know, they were looking at me in disbelief. It's like, hey, this woman, what is she saying? And I said, and it's at such moments that you need to be taught to love. The older woman should teach the younger woman to love their husbands. To love their husbands. Love in spite of unconditional love. Love because of the gospel. Because you don't want it to be blasphemed. Not because you don't feel it. Not because it's not painful. Not because it's not difficult. But because God says so. That's a different level of love. Love when your love is not returned. Love when your love is not appreciated. Love when you don't even know whether the person understands what love is. The Bible says we should teach you. So that's I'm teaching you. It's First Corinthians 30 that you have to go and learn from here to, to, to be taught. That's a whole sermon. If you get your love life, you will hear all that. Love suffers. You never saw it in a romantic book. Harley Quinn, Mills and Boone, all the movies. They never told you that. Love. If love surfaces it's because a person is traveling, leaving. I'm leaving on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back again. Amen. When the person is leaving jet plane, that you'll be crying. So kiss me and smile for me. Tell me that you wait for me. Hold me like you'll never let me go. Should teach the younger women to love their husbands. To love their husbands. Love in spite of unconditional love. Love because of the gospel. Because you don't want it to be blasphemed. Not because you don't feel it. Not because it's not painful. Not because it's not difficult. But because God says so. That's a different level of love. Love when your love is not returned. Love when your love is not appreciated. Love when you don't even know whether the person understands what love is. The Bible says we should teach you. First, I'm teaching you. It's 1 Corinthians 30 that you have to go and learn from here to, to, to be taught. That's a whole sermon. If you get your love life, you will hear all that. Love surface. You never saw it in a romantic book. Harley Quinn, Mills and Boone, all the movies. They never told you that if love surfaces because the person is traveling, leaving. I'm leaving on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back again. Amen. When the person is leaving jet plane, that you'll be crying. So kiss me and smile for me. Tell me that you wait for me. Hold me like you'll never let me go. When I sing that song, my husband will say, "How do you know this song? How do you know this song?" I said, even though I got born again ages ago, I had bigger sisters who were very funky. So I know all the songs. So that's said like we go to a restaurant, maybe they are singing this song. I said, oh, this song. Hey, me, I don't know any such song. I said, because you don't have any bigger... You have any. But that's the song you know. And that's what you know love to be. But the Bible is more practical and speaks about real things. So it's not that you have been disappointed It's rather that reality has set in. Because husbands are human. Husbands are not angels. The Bible says all flesh is as grass. They are just godly men who love God and are doing their best. But we have this treasure in vessels of clay. In earthen vessels. That the excellency of his power may rest in Christ and not in the vessel. So many of you pastor's wives I'll come to that under dilemmas. You have to lower your expectation. Because that's why you come for counseling. Hey, he's a pastor. And he insulted me like that. He's human. He's a human vessel. He's a pastor. And he, he, he doesn't treat me right. Does he not read the Bible? He reads the Bible. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So some of you, your reason for marrying a pastor is not because of the gospel. Though. It's for your comfort. You say, hey, if I marry a pastor, I won't have problems. If I marry a pastor, he won't worry me. If I marry a pastor, and God said, really? Is he me? I will show you that he's not God. And I will turn your attention to me. Amen. Amen. That is why some of you are even in this meeting. because your expectations were too high to teach them to love their husbands to love their children to be discreet keep us at home hey I will come to that some of you, you are always casting out demons your sink is full of dirty plates your husband is the most neglected husband we ever know on this planet how can the gospel not be blasphemed Because when he comes, there's no food. And then you come back late, you say, I was in a prophetic meeting. It was very powerful. How can can even the one who doesn't know God be one? The gospel will be blasphemed by all means because of your attitude. Every time you make your love, it's bent. So the smell is always in the food. Instead of improving your skills, you will not. And when your love bends, you can always smell it. Every day you say it was a mistake. It's been 15 years now. It's true. Unfortunately, many young women do not know how to cook and do not care. I had a young lady, she's finished the university in my office. I said, what can you cook? Um, And then there were some male pastors in my office, so they were asking her, can you make light soup? Yes. Can you make meat stew? Yes. Yes. Can you make granite soup? Oh, I don't like it. I said, hey. <laughs> you don't like it. It's immaterial. It's what the person wants. I so, I don't like it. I said, you don't like it, I huh? said, so, ah, lady reverend. You know, now me, I live on my own. Oh, so I cook in a rice cooker. I don't really. I said, hey. And you are in my office only because your beloved has left you. It is God's mercy. God knows that you are not ready. My mother used to say that when you marry... And you don't cook properly, they'll put it in a bottle and return it to your parents. (laughs) My mother told me that they'll mail it to your parents. Is this the type of. And then I asked her, Can you grill chicken? So, oh, I've seen it being done. I suppose I can. We are not all ready made, but we can learn. Amen. We all didn't have the same opportunities, same mothers, same mother. But you can learn because you put in an effort to pass your exams. So, surely. You can put in an effort to keep the home. To guide the home. And that is what even makes a woman in ministry difficult. Because you are in the corporate world. You work. You need to earn some money to put food on the table. After that, you say you are in ministry. You need to fulfill your God-called ministry. Because when God comes, he wouldn't say, hey, Mrs. Bishop, all that your husband has done accrues to you. It's not like that. When ask Adam and Eve, they were judged separately. And... After that, they'll say that, hey, since you had two children, you are growing fat, so you have to add gym or whatever you are doing or skipping or whatever you are doing to your schedule. After that, you don't have to look like Bob Marley. You have to look nice. The same woman. The same woman who is keeping the home, is in the corporate world, is trying to be spiritual. And then when you come to church, you hear sermons. How, when was the last time you saw God's face? What was the last line you prayed? Say, you have to add that too. And your guilt is growing, isn't it? And then when they say, some of you, you don't know any verses. When the devil comes knocking, what will you do? He says, I need to improve my word life. I need to have Bible study. Then, apart from that, you are also a wife. A wife with all your wifely duties, including night duty. Night duty. Amen! And this type of night duty, there's no shift. (laughs) A lady went to report to her mother in law that her husband was having an affair and all that. The mother in law said, hey, why don't you rejoice? Because this work, you need somebody to share it (laughs) with. And at the same time You are supposed to be a keeper at home It's not easy You need a lot of wisdom You need delegation You need to pray for even adequate help Then after that you are also A mother Your husband is saying Where is his food Your child says my mom's homework Your child comes saying also, My friend said this and that, and that. Hey Don't say that even the ear to hear, to be around to even hear, is also something else. They bring homework. The last time you did maths, you don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Before you have to be on them. Tidy your wardrobe. Are you not going for this lesson? You have piano lessons. Let's go. Drop you. Okay, you're having extra classes here. Hey, a woman's cup is so full. And she has gone to add Adam's care too to her cup. And then the Bible says that the older women should teach you to guide the house. If you will guide the house naturally, why will Paul, for Apostle Paul, he writes about serious things. Not things that you are just playing home or mommy and daddy or. So he says that the way you keep your home affects the gospel. The way you are domestically affects you. I've seen women who feel that they are very high in ministry. Their disregard and disrespect for their husbands is so obvious. It's palpable. You can feel it. Sometimes I say to them, look, this is not the gospel. You are blaspheming the gospel. This is not the gospel. Look at great women like Joyce Meyer. Every time she stands up, she will pay tribute to her husband. And Dave, and Dave. So I even wonder if Dave doesn't get tired. And Dave this, and Dave that, and Dave this, and Dave that. You know? It's not easy to be a woman in ministry. She has to mind the home. We'll come to the dilemmas of a woman in ministry. When she comes to church, they say, sit down and be an ordinary woman. So when you are marrying, of course, you won't see everything, but look a bit closely. You see, I have a friend, a very powerful woman of God, and her husband has passed away, but as her husband has passed away and she has taken over the mantle of ministry, the ministry has grown more. And she's always waiting on God here, moving, establishing branches on television. I mean, trying to do her best. Suddenly she comes to see me. She says, Mommy, I've got five proposals. I say, hey. So what is going to happen to you? And she says, you know, ministry is lonely. Sometimes you need a companion and I said so how come I, said, I never had all these people they just suddenly all converged at one place so now what are you going to do oh there's a man of God amongst I think I'll marry that person then I said to him, mm-hmm. oh well and good but remember the stories the people that have gone before us and what we have seen whether the person can also incorporate your ministry and then also when you have been married for some time you are too wise you know So she was telling me, we'll come to an agreement. I'm not yielding my church. I'm not yielding my ministry. I said, but he's also a minister. See, I read a book where the woman's husband passed away and she brought her church to merge with the man's church. And it was a big problem. Big. It was a mess. But if you want to be a wife, then you have to guide the home. And it's not always easy. As you are gone, 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 ministering here, ministering there. Now somebody is calling you that, I don't like granos, but I like your love. <laughs> but it all affects the gospel, that the gospel be not blasphemed. To be discreet, to be chaste. To be discreet means, you know, sober in your emotions, in your thinking, in your action no wild all over the place, but sober. To be discreet, chaste is purity. And all these things that Paul takes his time to list, is so that the gospel will not be blasphemed. Therefore, if we are to adorn the gospel, then we have to take care of all these things that the Bible is saying. Amen. Amen. I would tell you that a woman in ministry is not easy. There are times when I have daughter, I can make a conventions. I'm preparing, I'm rushing to go, then my husband would say, ah, but why? Take it easy. God will speak. Can you make some toast for me? Take it easy. Oh, oh my God, he has spoken already. He has anointed you already. But you are a wife. No matter how anointed, no matter how God is speaking to you, it's so that the gospel, the gospel, the gospel will not be blasphemed, will not be blasphemed. Otherwise, they start to hate your calling, hate your ministry, hate everything God has called you to do because you are not being a keeper at home. Sometimes I say that even to love your children, even if you are far away, make constant calls. How are you? Where are you? Have you just closed from school? How was school? What did the teacher say? What did the teacher, when they get home, they've changed, whatever. Have you eaten? What did you eat? Sometimes you find out that what you said they should give them is not what they are giving them. You find out that they have arrived, but they have not been served with food. And thank God, technology is there, and you can speak to the children themselves, you know. So what homework do you have? Oh, I have math. Eh? Page 5. What's on page 5? Long division. So can you do it? Oh, I have a bit of difficulty. Whatever. Okay, try and do this, 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 this. It will cost you units, but it's worth it. It's worth it. To so love their children. Children are not always lovable. Especially as they are growing up. Sometimes when you say, they say three or four. I'm not, and then sometimes even the way they will turn to, eh. My husband will ask, where did you learn this from? Certainly not from this house. Where did you acquire this from? To love their children. Why? That the gospel may not be blasphemed. Parenting is hard. Your work is somewhere. Your house is in Hacho. How will I go to come to constantly keep in touch? Constantly keep in touch. It makes them feel that you are around. And it even makes the people you have delegated the work to know that your eye is there. And when you come, even the children say, what did you eat today? Oh, we ate rice and stew. I gave them rice and stew. Ask the children, not as interrogation, but just conversation. Oh, so what did you have this afternoon? Oh, we had yam, and I'm telling you from experience. <laughs> then you say, but that's not what I said, you know? Or sometimes there's not even meat in the stew, but they are giving it to the children. So you need a way. And to love your children also is to pray for them. The greatest achievements are prayer. Because you can't be with them everywhere. And one of the things we must pray is that they'll be delivered from the agents of Satan. Because most of them are introduced to things by friends. And sometimes I pray that any friend that's not supposed to be in their life, may the friendship not work. May the friendship just not work. May the people not be even interested in them. Or if they've got into that friendship again, may it be dissolved by your almighty hand. And God answers prayer. Amen. Amen. So achieving things through prayer is also a powerful thing. Why? That the gospel, that the gospel, that the gospel be not blasphemed. Can you not see how God is protecting the reputation of his gospel all the time? Can you not see how it matters to him that the name of God be not blasphemed, that the doctrine of Christ be not blasphemed, that the gospel be not blasphemed, that you may adorn the gospel. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 3. It's a famous one. Reading from verse 3. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Why are they always talking to us about adorning? Because we are chief in it. We are presidents and magaia when it comes to adorning and dressing. And it says that your adorning let it not be the outward of putting on braiding of hair, putting on of gold or jewelry, or of um, wearing of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. Now, some people look at this and say it means you don't have to wear anything nice. God is against jewelry. God is against nice dresses. God, Then don't wear dresses. If he says don't wear jewelry, then don't wear dresses to come stuck naked to church. <laughs> but it's saying that let our emphasis not be on the outward. But if truth be told, our emphasis is on the outward. And Paul is saying that your adorning, let it not be. It means that it takes your permission. Let it not be. Don't allow it to be just the outward. Don't let it not be. It means it lies in your power of braiding the hair, wearing of jewel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is incorruptible. The body is corruptible. The flesh is corruptible. Your hair is corruptible. It will fall out soon. Your jewelry is corruptible, especially given that it's custom jewelry. Your earrings are corruptible. Everything is corruptible. Except the ornament. Ornament is a precious stone. The ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit. Which is in the sight of God, not in the sight of men. Because men usually don't see our hearts or the condition of our hearts. Men don't see the state of our spirits. But the one who really matters is God. And the Bible says, which is in the sight of God of great price, it's of great value. And if something is of great value to God, then it must be really valuable. Amen. Now, in the olden times, if you wore a garment, let it not be the outward or wearing of garments or wearing of apparel. If you wore a garment, it depicted who you were. For instance, when Tamar was a widow and had married Judah's son. Her son had died and Judah had said that he would give another son to her and he didn't. So she was wearing widowhood clothes, garments. And then she decided to convert herself into a prostitute. So the Bible says that she put away her garments of widowhood. And now she wore the garment of a harlot. You understand, so physically, Your garment denotes your function. Okay, so if you want to look like a widow, then you wear the widowhood garments. If you want to look like a prostitute, you wear the prostitute garments. I'll just read it. You don't need to turn to it. Genesis 38, 14, if you want to. And she put off from her the garments of her widowhood and covered herself with a veil. And wrapped herself and sat in the gates of Enim, which is by the way, for she saw that Sheila was grown up, and she was not given unto him to wife. Then in the book of Exodus, God says that they should make holy garments for Aaron, for glory and for beauty, that, he, that, that they may make Aaron's garments to sanctify him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. So the garment of the priest was for glory and beauty and also to set him apart, to sanctify him to stand in the office of a priest. So your garment really denotes your office or your function or your purpose or what you do. Amen. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David, his apparel, his sword, his bow, and his girdle. As soon as he gave it to David, It meant that David, in a prophetic way, was going to be royalty because he was nothing. But Jonathan Saul's son stripped himself of all that he was wearing and put it on David. And the Bible says that from that day, David pleased all men. I mean, all men were happy with him. Then the garments of mourning. Whenever you were mourning, you wore sackcloth and you put on ashes. And so when Amnon was killed by Absalom, David stripped his garments and wore sackcloth and wept. Because what you wear denotes your situation, your function, your purpose, and where you are at. Amen. What you wear is not only physical. Now, as there are garments denoting different things in the realm of of the flesh... There are also garments that denote things in the realm of the spirit. If you look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5. For all the armor of the armed men in the tumults and the garments rolled in blood shall be for fuel, for burning, for fuel. I think I should read it in the King James. Isaiah chapter 9.
1: You are listening to Honey on My Lips with Lady Reverend Adelaide Howard Mills. Stay tuned in.
0: Welcome back. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. If you have a garment rolled in blood, then you are a warrior. And this afternoon, I want us to look at certain spiritual garments that the Bible provides us with that we can wear instead of the wearing of apparel. That the Bible says that our adorning should not be in that area. But let's look for the spiritual components of those things and wear them. And He says that every battle... Of the warrior is with confused noise And garments rolled in blood Garments that are willing To be sold with the blood of the master Garments that are willing to be worn For battle Some of you, you are always wearing party dresses The Christian life is a battle The Christian life Is a war zone, more than Iraq Or now Libya Amen And if you are going to be a warrior Then your garments are going to be rolled in blood something is going to pour. Something is going to show that you are from war or you are involved in a war. You are not just wearing a wedding dress, a hat. You don't wear wedding dress and hats like this to go to battle. And it's time for us to take up our spiritual garments and wear them. We have worn party dresses for too long. Some of you, you have worn frocks for too long. Do you know frocks? nyata is also part of it. We have worn those things too much, but now we need to have garments rolled in blood. We don't go to the battlefront in prayer. We don't go to the battlefront in intercession. We don't go to the battlefront to win souls. We don't go to the battlefront to fight with the enemy over anything. Our garments are just white, but they are not rolled in blood. But instead of concentrating on the outer garment, let's look for these spiritual garments to wear them. So that we will become spiritual people. Amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes 9 8, let thy garments be always white, and let not thy head lack oil. Let thy garments always be white. Hmm. Amen. White means purity. And says, always wear a garment of purity. Always wear a garment of holiness. You see, God has given us the power. It's not a New Year resolution. It's not willpower. It's just availing ourselves of the power that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us. That is what will help us to put on these garments by faith. White garments. But in the church today, we just have solid... Soiled garments Although we have been washed in the blood But we have gone for other garments That we are wearing That are not the garments of salvation That the Lord gives to us May the Lord deliver us Amen Amen. It's very sad Hmm Isaiah 59 verse 17 For he put on righteousness As a place. Breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak where is your zeal for the Lord you have zeal to quarrel with your husband you have zeal to try to even whip that girl you have zeal for money but the cloak of zeal is not something we are wearing Instead of looking for the outer adornment, slate, lace, this, Holland, this, that, let's look for the zeal of the Lord Amen. as a cloak. We are too laid back when it comes to the things of God. We don't exert enough energy, enthusiasm, and drive towards the things of God. And it's time to put on the cloak of zeal. Amen He says put on the garments of vengeance For clothing The garments of vengeance Bible says vengeance is the Lord's And he shall repay Isn't it That is to do with your private quarrels When it comes to the realm of the spirit There must be vengeance We don't fight our battles in the realm of the spirit anymore All our battles are physical I heard that this I read that this. I saw that this. I was told that this, but we never enter our closets to do battle with vengeance, the vengeance of the Lord. Sometimes when I hear people's stories, like this girl who said she was in the choreography group and then the pastor raped her repeatedly and all that, I become, I get holy anger, vengeance, something, you know, and it makes me want to do more, it makes me want to rescue the perishing it makes me want to save people, have a drive. Sometimes when I hear what pastor's wives are going through, that's what gives me the energy to be here this morning. I said, God, they need a light. God, they need deliverance. God, they need a way of escape. God, their lives must make sense. Amen. Some of them, I call them, I said, look, you need to look for a job because if you don't look for a job and you're always dependent on this man there's no future if he locks the tap that's it he's come ghana water and sewage if he turns off the lights that's it but as a woman you can empower yourself when i was going to the radio station i heard that young girls primary school and jss a few cluster of schools in the western region 38 are pregnant <laughs> when i looked at that i said that god they need the gospel. That's the only thing that will change them. We need to start going to second cycle institutions. We need to start to reach these people. Vengeance as a clothing. We just sit and say, hey, did you read the graphic? It was very wild. This happened and that happened. Hey, what is the world coming to? Hey, the world has really changed. God has not called us to be commentators. He has called us to be warriors. To get involved. To be warriors and not commentators. Every time we commentate, just like the world, the world just sees the news and it talks about hey, what is happening? Hey, what will we do? Hey, what? But if we know that there's a divine battle going on, then we must put on our clothing of vengeance. Sometimes I look, I don't know which of the jobs I will do. Do you understand? Sometimes you get so moved that I don't know which one I will do. First of all, I want to start doing. Person to person witnessing spontaneously because that's how we were brought up. So yesterday I said, I can't believe I went for what's going on. And I never gave an opportunity to give your life to God. Of course, it's news and other things. But I often think that what if after the meeting somebody's just crossing the road, something happens, and then you regret that you never gave the person the opportunity? So I said, Lord, that agency of the gospel that we used to have, visit us with it again. Visit us with the edges because we are being deceived. We are following other things. My child, my husband, my world, my life, my this, whilst many are perishing and going to hell. If these 38 girls were truly born again, their lives would be different. But the 38 boys who made them pregnant are living normal. Their exams haven't been affected. They will not be dropouts. They are not likely to have multiple children that nobody looks after. All that is not going to happen. Vengeance as a clothing. (laughs) Turn to the person next to you and say, You need to become a warrior now. The cute Christianity is gone. Amen. Amen. Now, Isaiah 51 says, 52 1 says, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments O Jerusalem The holy city for henceforth there shall no more Come into thee the uncircumcised And the unclean Strength is something you can put on And when somebody is talking to you and says awake Awake That means that what? You are asleep, comatose And the church of God is comatose The church of God is asleep We are very busy Busy, 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 empty Empty, busy, with no results. No eternal results Is what we do. Amen. Say, awake. Awake. Hmm. Put on thy strength. Oh, Zion. You need to put on strength. That's a whole message altogether, the strong woman, which you can get. But if you don't have strength, you won't survive in this world. When God called Joshua, he says that Only be thou strong That thou mayest observe to do According to all that is written Even to observe to do the word It takes strength If you don't have strength You can't observe to do the word And the Bible says Put on thy strength What is your strength? What is it in your life That is your strength? Put it on and let it make you stand in that function and that purpose that God has called you to. Look, you get tired. As you minister, you give, you give, you give. How will you be replenished? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Why would you have to renew your strength if it wouldn't sap out? In ministry, you're always doing this, you're always serving people, you're always passing here, you're always doing this. When will you put on your own strength too? You need to make time for yourself, quality time, where you are going to look after yourself spiritually. And we need to learn to spend money for spiritual things. We spend money always on carnal things. When they say, there's a funeral here, this one's outdoor, let's contribute, let's go. you are flowing. But when they say there's a conference, say, oh, ooh, it's expensive, how can I go? Oh. We are not used to investing in spiritual things. Sometimes you must check yourself in into that guest house so that you can wait on God. And it's something I do because when I see busyness, sometimes I say I'm staying at home. Oh, that is the day that they will bring all their complaints. Madam, please, yam is finished. I said, hey, don't you hear that I'm praying or playing music? Yam is finished. uh, I wanted to tell you that yam is finished. Okay, so... You give money for the yam, then you are walking in your room. Madam, please, the iron is not working. Hey, that did. It just won't work. Then, I collect my things. I said, no, I'm going. I'm going to the office. And I get there, I'll be able to wait on God. And I get to the office. Hmm. My staff alone. Please, the orphanage. I said, didn't I say that? I don't want to see anybody. And that I should not be disturbed. Uh, oh, this one was just for one minute. I wanted to find out if uh, the orphanage roof. No, this that, that you answer one minute. Then another person will come. Oh, please! I wanted to find out whether the daughter can make it in the UK. Whether we should send this. That, that. It's coming. <laughs> the week that you decide to wait on God, the things that will come your way. This week, I said, "Oh, I must hear from God. I need." Quality time with God. And even when you start it, you see that you are very happy. It's very fulfilling. God speaks to you. You feel so pampered. But so... Tuesday after church, then my husband said to me, Oh, I'm getting some very important visitors. So we have lunch on Wednesday. I said, Oh, is it possible? Lunch on Thursday. On Wednesday, the next day. Said, really? So yes. So you have to come and set up and do this and do that. So half my Wednesday is gone. Yesterday I said, Okay he was going, and he said, so are you going to the office? I said, I'm staying here. I'm not opening my doors. I'm not whatever. And then the people call me. Remember that you are supposed to come to the radio station and be there by 8. This, I said, okay, I'll go to the radio station. On my way from the radio station to my home, then... One of my husband's administrators calls me. Oh, the Healing Jesus Board gifts. They said that if you could get it because a person's birthday is coming in a few days and you have to do it. And then when we courier it, blah, 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 blah. So I tell the driver, okay, turn right, make a detour. We are going to the shops. A spiritual person trying to pray. is now going to the shops to look for African artifacts. But it's a fight. It's a fight. So I, I... When I finished, I was so... Then the administrator called me. Oh, mommy, please. Do you know of any other place we can go to? I said, look, after this call, don't call me again. Okay? And then I got home. It's already noon. The thing that I set out at 7.30, I'm planned. Because so many things will come in. But by the grace of God, I was able to lock upstairs and I said, doesn't matter. You must press on. You must press on. You won't have a perfect whatever. You must press on toward the mark. It takes pressure. You know? So as I locked the door and all that, oh, it was wonderful in his presence. It was wonderful in his presence. And I felt, oh, God, you are ministering to me so much. I'm so touched. so." So by the evening when my Lord was walking in, I was okay. I had no problem. But it was a fight. Amen. You need to wear your garments to fight. And to prevail, not just to fight. Put on thy strength. Amen. Last but not the least. I don't think I can... Isaiah 61 verse 3. To appoint unto all them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them a garland for ashes, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of Jehovah. Another garment you must wear is the garment of praise. The garment of praise is something you wear. All the other garments, those foolish mini skirts, low neck blouses, they don't bring anything. But the garments of praise will drive out the spirit of heaviness and it has been found by statistics that women grapple with a lot of depression no matter how high we achieve how whatever sometimes it's even hormonal we are more prone to depression and we sit in it you see somebody was having some domestic problems and then she was experiencing depression at a point, and then she told me she went to the hospital, and they said that your blood pressure has gone up, your whatever, because you are depressed. So I said, "Oh, I understand, pull yourself together, it will be well." So and then when she takes the drugs, she just feels sleepy. So I thought, "Oh, the person will be okay with time." Now as the days were passing, I realized that. She wants to sit in it, and that I have to light a fire under her. So I said, how is it today? <laughs> oh, mommy, I'm so depressed. I'm so sad. I said, you know something? You are like a drug addict who is putting the drugs. And then you are saying, oh, I'm so dazed. Ooh, I'm so dazed. Because you are the architect of the things that happen in your life. I said, you can't stop the things that are depressive from coming into your life. From happening to you. Do you understand? But you can stop making it a mountain. Making a tent for you to live in. And some of us, when we are sad, we accentuate it. We start to sing sad songs. (laughs) And then we start to think that life has not dealt us a good blow. You know, so you, you, instead of meditating on the goodness of God, you start to meditate on all the things you didn't have. This man that I have married, I remember. I should have said no. Since I married him, he insulted me on August 1st, 22nd October. He also insulted me. He's always saying these words. Even when we first married, this happened. And then five years into the marriage, that also happened. And then this and that and that. All your meditation is leading you deeper into depression. And your meditation is showing you that your problems are a lot. I'm not saying don't take a stock of your life, but sometimes you have built a tabernacle around your issues. Amen. So like this sister, I'm telling her that look, one of the reasons why you are depressed is because you put everything on hold. You are not doing anything. You've got excuse duty from work. So when you wake up in the morning, your husband goes to work, your children, and then you just think about yourself. Eee, how sad life is. And the devil will give you many chapters, many chapters to think about. So the first few days, I gave you time to land. But now I said, I said that it is like you are in a pit. Mommy, it's true. And you are going deeper. It's true. I, said, I didn't call for you to tell me that it's true. <laughs> I called to tell you that awake, put on your strength. And I said, why? Is it the end of the world? It's not the end of the world. And one thing she said, I only want my husband to promise me that he won't hurt me like this again. I said, what type of foolish promise is that? Is he not human? Even if he makes a promise, what will make it worse is that he will break it. Then I said, and you too, you are very, very depressive. Can you promise me that you won't be depressed again? Then she started laughing. Oh, I can't. You can't. But somebody should promise you that he will not hurt you in this way. Again, from where? Unrealistic expectations. But the Bible says, put on the garment of praise. Even the music alone, that plays in your home and around you can chase out depression. Because depression is a spirit. And the antidote for that, the Bible says, is the garment of praise. What type of garments do you wear? Every day, spirit of depression, spirit of heaviness, that's what you are wearing. Every day, extra baggage. And the Bible didn't say that pray for an angel to put the garment on you. Or pray for your sister to wear the garment. Say, you, put on the garment. The garment of praise is there, but the wearing depends on you. Amen. It is true that sometimes depression can be clinical. You may need some medicine for it and all that. But I said to her, you cannot depend on medicine all your life every time to be normal, then then why did you come to Christ? It is true that the drugs will help you, but if you do what the Bible says, the Bible is also medicine. So he sent forth his word to heal us and to deliver us from all our distractions. We have some distractions that are manufactured by ourselves, including depression. And that is what we really use to destroy our own selves, self-inflicted. Amen. Amen. You are singing always hide me now under your wings, <laughs> Me within thy mind then when the ocean. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Ah, oh, ha, ha, ha. Hey, there's a time for that. But after that, put on the garments of praise. Hallelujah. We are not saying don't be real But after that it's just, it's just a journey It's a stop to the place where you are going And the place where you are going to live Is the garment of praise I don't have time to talk about all that But I tell people that I preach to myself Because a woman with the issue of birth The Bible says she said to herself If I might buy Tash's garments, I'll be made home So you must know how to preach to yourself you are your congregation member. Yes. And you mention your name. Mommy, look, there's hope. Yes. Have you forgotten what God has done? Yes. Have you forgotten how he took you as a child? Have you forgotten how you didn't even know what he would do and he did it? Shall not that same God do that to you? Yes. And then you have to put yourself in the verses. Yes. And say, Jeremiah 29:11, For God knows the plans he has for me. Yes. Adelaide, mommy, he would males. Plans of prosperity and not of disaster to give me a future and to give me a hope. And there's other that people have spoken things upon you. You will be this. You this will not have say, who saith a thing and it cometh to pass when the Lord has not decreed it. When the Lord has not decreed it. And then you stand and say, no weapon that is fashioned against me. In my marriage, in my work, in my work with God, in my ministry, in my calling, in my home against my children shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against me, especially that tongue of that girl, of course, I condemn. For this is my heritage as a servant of the Lord and my inheritance is of him. You need to preach to yourself. And David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. There are times when it depends on you. Your state depends on you. And the Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. Okay. Okay. And then, it says that you are adoring, let it not be the outward, putting on of clothes. We've talked about garments. Wearing of jewelry. Is there spiritual gold that we can avail ourselves of? Amen. Amen. Hmm. The Lord is being good to us. Hmm. Amen. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 10. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 10. Okay. Instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. Amen. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. And then Proverbs 16 16. The same vein. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? Yay, to get understanding is rather to be chosen than silver. To get understanding is rather to be chosen than silver. So we have silver, we have gold, we have rubies, we have. But the Bible says wisdom is better than rubies. It also says wisdom is better than silver, wisdom is better than gold. And it says, understanding and knowledge are better. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? Yea, to get understanding is rather to be chosen than silver. So, the spiritual gold that you can put on for jewelry is understanding and wisdom. Understanding and wisdom. Every time you are buying that thing that's not gold, da na pa, da na pa. But you can put on jewelry in the realm of the spirit. That is gold. And it is is better. Wisdom is better than the gold that you look for. I know the price of gold in the world has gone up. And understanding is also better. And how do you get wisdom? The most basic way, there are many ways, but one of the basic ways is if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who giveth willingly and abradeth not? Is it part of your prayer topic? You always pray, my children, my husband, change his heart, turn it, whatever. But what you really need is wisdom. When you look at the life of Abigail, she broke through through wisdom. When you look at the life of Esther, she broke through through wisdom. And we'll talk about that later. Negotiation skills of a wife. (laughs) 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 Wisdom is better than gold. What wisdom are you going to use to maneuver in what you are doing? The Bible says that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And with every temptation, not some, he will provide the way of escape. But I think as believers, we don't see the way of escape. Sometimes the back door is open, but you don't know. The window is just ajar, but you don't know. There's space under the door. You see how? Uh, Mice can flatten themselves and go under the door. There's space under the door. You can flatten yourself, but you don't know the way of escape. You look say, oh, everything is locked. This is an impossible situation. I don't know how to get out. But wisdom will show you the way of escape. It will open your eyes. Oh, it's this way. It's here. Amen. Wisdom is better than gold. And then Psalm 19 verse 10, I believe, says that the law of the Lord is Perfect reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. And it talks about the statutes of God and his judgments and all that. It says that more to be desired are they than gold. The law of the Lord. The word of God is more powerful than that gold that you will store in your but you don't believe it. And it says that the law of the Lord is to be desired more than gold but your desire for gold is higher. And that's why you You don't know what God is saying. You don't know his promises to stand on. When you are praying, you can't pray any scriptural prayers. That's why you ask amiss. If you know a verse that says that your children shall be like olive plants round about your table, you can stand and say, Lord, it wasn't my idea. You spoke it. You and your word are one. I pray that my children shall be like olive plants. A prayer that Abraham prayed for Ishmael was... That he may stand before you perfect all the days of his life. That's a prayer topic for a child. That he may stand before you perfect. Because as he goes through teenage, adolescence, will he still love God? Well, you can pray that prayer. But because you don't know the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord, the promises and all that will bring you the gold that you desire. Amen. Amen. More to be desired are they than gold. Wisdom is better gold. And I pray that after this conference, you will incorporate all of that into your prayer life. Amen. Amen. 1 Peter 1, 7. the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The trial of your faith being more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire. The trial of our faith is greater than gold. It's more costly and it's more precious. They call them precious stones. The trial of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes. As you walk with God, your faith will be tried. Sometimes you come into the healing line. You see? Like Bishop was saying on Sunday, sometimes people who don't want more children, they are rather having. He that hath. And then those who don't have, even that one, sometimes is not coming. That's the trial of your faith. People are having children, they're even throwing them away. Because of the orphanage, I know that. They are are abandoned children. Somebody left the child at one of our branches. Take it, I can't look after it. That's it. Want to lead their lives. Some are found under a tree. Some on a rubbish dump. Some under a truck. So that the mother had put him there so that when the truck passed, it would just pass over. And somehow, the crying voice of the child is heard. So all that is there. And then you come into the healing. Lord, just one. Taste me, taste me, taste me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And that's a trial of your faith. And it's not a small trial, it is a major trial. And it has come to try your faith. You say you have a God. Huh? You are believing God for a partner, is a trial of your faith. When you do good, evil is returned, is a trial of your faith. Sometimes when you pray, you don't know why you don't have answers. It's the trial of your faith. You are in that impossible marriage. It's not because, it's not about your husband. It's about your faith. So stop saying, oh, I made a mistake. That's what this cross. I can't bear it. It's a cross, all right. But he will give you grace. The trial of your faith. When Paul prayed three times, I besought the Lord that he would take this thing from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Is that an answer to prayer? I'm asking you for a specific thing. You have sent to me a messenger of Satan. And I'm telling you that this messenger, he didn't just come, but he's buffeting me. He's giving me blows, slaps. And then as I'm waiting on you for that, three times you don't say anything. And then when you decide to speak, your answer is that, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. But Paul immediately got a revelation. He said, therefore... Will I glory in my infirmities?
1: It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 243 you can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless.